this uh, in the United States of America or frankly maybe any place on earth. Let's hoping right now that you are avoiding the Q word and that's the word quarantine. Alright, I know some of you are already shaking your head. No, sorry. Well, hang in there. Alright, and welcome or welcome back to the Your Booking Report podcast. Great to have you or great to have you for the first time. My name again is Scott Geezy. I have been a Jostens Yearbooks representative for the last 22 plus years. And I've been involved with journalism ever since my senior year in high school. And humbly, that goes back 40 years, but I've enjoyed the 40. I've been very fortunate. Yearbook for the last 20 plus. I've been involved with print, been involved with radio, television. Let's just say I've been around the block. And I do it because I enjoy stories. All of journalism essentially is all about stories, and that is certainly what your yearbook is. Now here we are early in the school year, and hopefully you're already collecting stories or story ideas for the rest of the year. If not, let's put that on the to-do list. Make your story list about all as many, all or as many people in your school as you can. Uh, a challenge I throw out to yearbook staffs that I work with is it's not just what stories will you tell, it's also how many stories will you tell? Because everybody in school has some story to tell and they all somehow want to be covered. So hopefully your group's already doing that. And it's early in the school year, and yes, despite the challenges out there, especially in some locales, there's still a lot of work to be done, a lot of stories to be remembered. And a big part of a great yearbook is a yearbook theme. Now, you don't have to have a theme in the yearbook, all right? That's not some, you know, ironclad rule someplace. In my two decades plus of doing this, I've seen some good yearbooks that, if you will, have a plain cover, no real theme, but on the inside, they have great photos, they have great coverage, they have lots of stories and people they cover and so on, and it's a good read. But when you can work a yearbook theme through a book, that just adds that little something extra to help pull all the parts of the book together into a whole, make it maybe a more fun read, and I think also make it a more fun experience. So recently we caught up with a terrific advisor, Jess Hunsicker. Jess is a veteran advisor from the great state of Colorado, and uh, we thank Jess because she's also, for Jostens, one of the hosts of our Johnston's J-Class series. These are the flip classroom video tutorials that we have on the Yearbook Avenue website, which are just phenomenal. Nice brief videos, 10 minutes or less, on a whole host of yearbooking topics. And Jess was kind enough to do several of those for our series, including one called Theme Introduction. A lot of schools, they might have a theme. They'll make a nice cover. They'll put the theme on the cover. But then when you open the book, the theme just kind of disappears. How can we change that, have a lot more fun doing it, and I think maybe even uh, kind of grow your yearbook staff with it? Well, we're going to talk to Jess here, and she is going to give us some terrific advice. So I hope you've got a pad and paper there or something to take notes with, because I guarantee you're going to be taking some notes during this one, all right, along with some very good listening. And here in this insanity we're still dealing with right now, a favorite question, how's everybody kind of dealing with it? It's not quite the same depending on where you go. I'm in Pennsylvania in my case. Jess is in Colorado. So we're going to find out a lot about theme and a lot about your book in general. All right. So first off, let's meet Jess. 
Well, first off, folks, I've been waiting for this one because I've been watching this lady from afar on video for two years, and I finally caught up with her. And we'll explain what I'm talking about in a little bit, but we want to welcome our new friend, Jess Hunsaker. Jess, thank you for being on the Yearbooking Report. I appreciate this. Hi, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Now, for Justin Schools, hopefully on your Yearbook Avenue website, you have been using the what we call the Justin's J classes which are just, uh, if you're familiar with usually what's called the flipped classroom idea, where you sort of watch a video and then you follow with some type of a lesson. Uh, we started this summer of last year, and one of the presenters for our J-Class videos has been Jess, all right? That's me. And we're going to talk primarily about theme, because Jess, that's one of the J-Classes that you did and so we're going to talk about theme. We're, we're doing this here in mid-September. This is about the time. Everybody's in school. At least I hope everybody is in school. And this is where uh, at the beginning of the year, okay, we're going to do a theme. What are we going to do with it? Some folks do it well. Some folks, well, listen in. All right, we're going to give you some good ideas. But Jess, first off, let's, let's meet you. All right, tell us something about yourself. You know, what do you teach? Where, where is your school? Where are you from? How long have you been doing this? And so on. Yeah, well, I, um, I've been teaching and advising for 13 years. Um, I was actually very fortunate to student teach with a yearbook advisor and landed my first teaching job um, in the middle of the school year after I had finished student teaching, which was awesome, and then took over the yearbook program the next year. Um, and I've spent all 13 years here at Castleview High School. Um, we are in Castle Rock, Colorado. It's a small suburb, about 45 minutes south of Denver. Um, and let's see, the school's about 2,200 kids. So pretty, pretty big school. It wasn't always that way. When I started here 13 years ago, we were just, um, just over a thousand students. So we've grown quite a lot in the last few years. Um, in addition to yearbook, I am the English department lead. Um, I'm past president of the Colorado student media association, and I teach newspaper and video broadcasts as well. So I'm busy. Um, but I, I, I just recently last summer finished my master's degree in journalism education from Kent state, which is a great program if you're interested. Um, so I'm really excited about what's next for myself and my kids here at Castleview. It's been a fun, fun decade. <laughs> Goes by fast. <laughs> All right. I've got to do some follow-ups here, right? Number yeah. <laughs> All right. Did I hear this correctly? You've been there about a dozen or so years and at your school, there was a thousand and now there's over 2000 students. Okay. I got to ask, how'd that happen? Um, Colorado's just a booming area and the population of Castle Rock has just doubled in size over the last decade. Um, houses are a little bit cheaper down here than they are in Denver proper. So folks are coming down to the suburbs um, and we've just grown Tremendously. We actually just built a, a new expansion to our, our, our building and it was 28,000 square feet of instructional stage space, which included a brand new journalism classroom and a broadcast studio and a video studio and all kinds of fun stuff. So. All right. May I ask who is your Jostens representative? Cause you work with Jostens. Who do you work with? I do. You know, Peter Griffin is not only my Justin's rep, but also a very dear friend. And he was actually the reason I was able to get my job here at Castleview um, 13 years ago. 
All right. Well, I know Pete. All right. We, we, we've met a number of times at Justin's meetings and so on. You can tell Pete, I'm seriously jealous because <laughs> there are some parts of the country where over the last decade, schools have been closing yeah. because of fewer people. I mean, a doubling in a decade is, is amazing. I, I, I can't fathom that. That's, that's incredible. And I think in the one J class video, you said something about Castle Rock, like where that name came from. Like there, there's a rock. Yeah. What what does that mean? What what is that? That's gonna be a great segue into our conversation about theme. Um, but in Castle Rock, it's right in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. Um, and there's an actual like rock that looks like a castle. So it's very, very iconic. And it's one of those things where um, there's another high school in the, in the same city, and we have something called the battle of the rock, which is when our schools play each other in athletic events and you can hike the rock and like, there's an actual rock that, that looks like a castle. It's huge, but it's more like a mountain. <laughs> I'm assuming this is like a naturally formed rock. Yep, <clears throat> exactly. And it looks like a castle. Yep. It's like a little, it's like a little mountain thing that looks like a castle, like the top of the castle. It's oh. cute. <laughs> Very interesting. All right. And also, if I heard correctly, you do your book and newspaper and broadcast. Did I hear yep. that right? Yep. You got it. Okay. You need a hobby. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at it. <laughs> That's the hobby. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I mean, I have done your book. That's what I do now. Mm -hmm. I have done newspaper in the past. In other words, I've worked it mm -hmm. and I'm a former broadcaster. So we're two peas in a pod, I suppose here. Uh, that's Definitely. kind of weird. All right. Well, again, let me, I've got to ask this because, you know, here we are, we're a year and a half into this, I keep calling it insanity, mm -hmm. uh, this situation that seemingly we're all in. And when I've had a chance to talk to folks who are, I'm in Pennsylvania, you're in Colorado, folks that are not near me. Okay. I just ask, what's the situation in your town or your state right now? Because it's interesting. It seems to be different depending on where you are. So this whole COVID baloney, what's it like where you are right now? You know, we really had hopes that we would start the year in as close to normal as possible. And for about two weeks, we did. We had every student here in person every day. Um, and then slowly our cases started to tick up and kids have been out quite a bit. And just last week, they um, reintroduced the, the mask mandate. So we are um, in person and kind of business as usual with masks, which is kind of the big difference here. So we're pretty fortunate, I think, um, in that regard that, you know, we can do overnight field trips and we can still do our state journalism convention and it is really business as usual with masks. Interesting. Now, that sounds a lot like where I live. Uh, yep. Masks. Yep. Got to wear masks. Some schools have shut down uh, field trips again. Like, nope, not doing that. I don't know about Pete, but uh, last year, uh, my school said, Scott, no visitors. You can't come in. Really? So I was like Dr. Zoom last year. And unfortunately, right now, I'm still Dr. Zoom. But we'll we'll leave that for another time there. By the way, folks, we're doing this interview on Zoom. So as you can yeah. tell, I love <laughs> Zoom. All right, we're Zooming. Um, now, this last year and a half, you're, I mean, obviously, you're a veteran here. I mean, all those things, yearbook, newspaper, broadcast. Um, 
difficult for you for the last year and a half in the things you do? Or maybe somehow have some new opportunities sort of presented themselves maybe in how you've done different things involving what you do? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to glamorize it. Like last year was the other side of hell. Just going to throw that out there. Sorry, kids. Um, (laughs) But, um, you know, at the very beginning of the pandemic back in March, 2020, um, my kids had the sweet 16. It was a signature that they were going to um, print at the very end of their production process um, without proofs. And that was their spring content. And of course, in March of 2020, um, there was nothing. It was just school. And then we were done and we never came back. Um, and so it was like magic. My staff at that time just came together and, and figured out how to get those pages done. And it was awesome. Um, but it was Pete, my yearbook rep who said that hard times bring out the very best in people and also bring out the very worst in people. And that really has stuck with me. Um, I have been determined for this really hard thing that we've been going through to bring out the best in me as a person and as an educator um, and as a colleague. So um, I think I've kept that in mind um, personally and professionally over the last 18 months and have really tried to look for opportunities for, um, for there to be like the bright side. So one of them would be, um, you know, last year there were 20, I think 24 kids who were freshmen, sophomores, or juniors who could have come back to the yearbook staff this year. And of that 24 kids, 22 came back to yearbook after last year. And, um, my class doubled in size. We're at 50 kids just in yearbook alone. And the same is true for my other production staffs. So that in and of itself means like 22 kids liked pandemic yearbook from hell, um, so much last year that they decided to come back this year and try it again. And that to me just speaks of this idea that your book is more than just, you know, paper we put in a nice cover. Um, your book is really about the people that we're around and the community we have the chance to establish when we're working with kids. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of answers your question about yeah, well, how things have been going. <laughs> Not great, but our, we're managing to make the best of it. If our friend Pete said that, then our friend Pete's a genius, all right? He <laughs> nails it. He, and all you got to do is check the news headlines anytime recently, and oh boy, yep, he, he pretty much nailed it. Now, as far as how you do what you do, Have you learned anything in this last year and a half? You do something differently now. Maybe you do it better in some way. What are some of the, I don't know, bright spots of this last year and a half? Um, Before the pandemic, we kept all of our photos in a server here at school. And so in March, 2020, we were frantically grabbing photos and putting them on external hard drives. And um, that never worked. We use Monarch and our server and Monarch were always kind of fighting with each other. So we do all of our photo storage in Google Drive, which has been awesome, Um, especially because I advise multiple publications. So that sharing of photos is really a lot easier on the kids. Um, We've really streamlined our coverage and just how often we're going to stuff. And we're going to events with a greater level of intention than we did in previous years. Um, 
So instead of going to every football game, it's really about, you know, picking the five football games that feel most important and being reflective um, about that coverage. I also, we use Canvas last year for the first time. It's a learning management system. There's Schoology, Blackboard, um, Google Classroom kind of. Um, and so as an advisor, it was a fun challenge to figure out how to um, use this really powerful learning management system to organize my kids and help them um, manage the production process. Um, I think, you know, last year was so hard on everyone that just um, recommitting myself and my kids to the culture of our staff and just enjoying each other's company and enjoying the process of working really hard on something together um, has just been a really important thing as well. So those would be, I think, some of the highlights. All right. Now, before we move on to theme, one more thing, all right? Put your broadcast hat on. What have yeah. you done differently in the last year and a half or you've discovered something like, man, we should have been doing that all along. What is there anything? Um, you know, I think last year was really tough on broadcasts, especially in remote learning. Um, so the kids did 10 shows last year um, of CBTV, our news show. Um, but they were so excited to start up this year that they produced their very first show during the second week of school. And they're on show number five, or I think they're on show number six this week, actually. So, um, you know, just like rethinking how we collect A roll and B roll and how we have good conversations over a screen and um, just continuing to make it work would be the broadcast side of things for sure. All right, that's cool. Very neat. All right. We'll get back to more with advisor Jess Hunsicker from Colorado coming up in just a bit. Now, I tell you what, in this next segment coming up, she's going to get into a lot of the nuts and bolts of working a theme, coming up with a theme, and so on. So get, get, get ready again to do that note-taking. And I'm going to throw out just one word. Listen for this in the next segment. And the one word is local. I've seen tons of themes over the years. I've seen schools, you know, use the same basic themes just from wherever you're coming from, which is fine, nothing wrong with that. But if you had some kind of special local angle, that could be a theme that is unique just to you. How to do that? Well, Jess is going to tell us coming up in this next segment. And, you know, for advisors listening, it is great to sort of have an advisor family, if you will, that you can collaborate with other advisors and share ideas and get ideas and, you know, bounce this. Hey, did you ever do this? Or, hey, how did you do that? Or something like that. It's great to have a family like that. And we at Jostens have a new feature. Frankly, we probably should have had this years ago. But we have a new feature that is just starting this fall called Advisor Connect. This is an online live offering. It's always done on the first Tuesday of every month. So mark your calendar, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Obviously, depending on where you're listening, mark your calendar accordingly. It only goes for an hour, but it's an outstanding opportunity for advisors to hear from some top folks from Jostens with great ideas and inspiration. But they also have breakout sessions where advisors can get into a separate online room and just exchange ideas and opinions and a few laughs I don't know, maybe a few tears, who knows? But it's great to know that you're not alone in this. There's a lot of other folks out there in a similar situation to yours. How are they handling it? 
Or maybe, hey, how can I help somebody else who's maybe you know struggling right now or, or having difficulty, not just personal-wise or health-wise, all that quarantine stuff, but yearbook-wise? What are some ways that I can get some on-the-ground experience from other yearbook advisors? Well, Advisor Connect is the way to do that. And the great thing about Johnston's Advisor Connect is it's not just for Johnston's advisors. Anybody, any yearbook advisor out there can be a part of Advisor Connect. All you have to do is sign up. How do you do that? Very simple. Contact your Johnston's representative wherever you are. Say, hey, I'm interested in that Advisor Connect. They will get you the information on how you can sign up. Of course, there's no charge for this. It's all done online. It's live. Yes, they do have recordings afterwards if somehow you uh, miss a live session. And it's always the first Tuesday evening or afternoon, depending on where you are, of every single month. So check your calendars. See if you're available during that slot. Even if you aren't, sign up. You can watch the recordings afterwards. Really, really good stuff. Advisor Connect from Jostens. Again, for more information, simply contact your Jostens representative. Now let's get back to more on theme with advisor Jess Hunsicker. Now, let's move on to your book. And uh, again, uh, we're going to talk primarily about theme. And for any Jostens advisors listening, folks, if you haven't checked out the J classes on Yearbook Avenue, you got to do it. All right. Digital classroom. There it is. Now, Jess, you did more than one title, but the one we're going to primarily talk, you did four titles. Okay. Uh, the one we're going to primarily talk about is theme. Although I want to ask, what's it like being a national teacher? Because in a sense, that's what you are. I mean, what, what was it like making these classes? They're a lot of work. They're easier said than done. And uh, my dear friends at Justin would, Justin's would say like, don't bite off more than you can chew, Jess. Um, but when I actually sit down to like get the work done, um, it's actually really fun to um, be concise about the really important things we're doing in your book. So there are a lot of work, but I also really enjoy the process. All right. You did a great job, by the Thanks. way. I've used all the titles and I'm going to use them again. All right. They're terrific. Now, the one in particular for right now here, as we do this in September, is the one called Theme Introduction. That's what the class is called, Theme Introduction. And so, Jess, let me just start with this because I've been at this. This is my 23rd year doing this. And I've had schools or yearbook staffs do a theme every year, you know, a lot of schools. And I'll have some schools, frankly, that just don't. They just, they make a nice book. They have photos and stories and so on. No theme. What are some advantages or, or thoughts about why doing a theme, I think, is a fun, cool, good idea? Why, why should you even do that? Well, um, I'll backtrack just a little bit and say um, Casey Nichols, he's one of the Jostens ambassadors, um, many years ago was at a workshop that I was also at with my students. And he said, the one rule we have every year is to make the yearbook different this year than it was last year. And theme is the tool we use to create cohesiveness in the yearbook from the cover um, to the end sheets to every page in between. Um, theme is the thing that we can use to make this yearbook different and special and unique for this year's students. So we really want to have themes so that we can approach each year with intention and with a unique perspective so that, you know, a student who's in high school and buys four yearbooks gets four different stories of four different years that are personal to them. Okay. 
Uh, perfect. I mean, that's I, I couldn't describe it any better than that. That's right. Um, so let's start. All right, since we're thinking theme introduction, let's start from scratch. First off, um, how do you or how does your staff even choose a theme every year? How do you do that? Uh, for our staff, it's a pretty messy process. And for really linear people like myself, it can be kind of hard to live in ambiguity for a while. Um, but we actually start the next year's yearbook um, in March or April when um, the previous year's is finished. So we really take advantage of those last couple weeks of school to look at theme. Um, we, we take the time to study um, trends in graphic design and in photography and in color and just like what's happening in the professional sector um, and in social media that seems like it's going to be relevant for um, the next year. So we, we really leverage professional models. Um, we also actively exchange yearbooks with other schools from around the state and around our country so that we can see what other folks are doing um, in their publications. And then, um, you know, I really encourage the kids to, to choose a theme phrase um, that can be supported by an actual student story. So kids actually do a little bit of reporting when we do our theme project at the end of the year um, to find a kid who's a current freshman, sophomore, or junior. So they'll be at our school next year and find an actual story that they think makes sense with their theme. And what I found is that making them do that reporting transitions kids from picking pretty colors and pretty graphics to thinking about the stories that'll actually be in the yearbook because that's the meat and potatoes of a good theme. All right. Now I was going to ask a when question. Now you sort of answered it. You do this in the spring before the school year is over. Does that mean now those kids that do that work in the spring, you automatically know they're going to be on staff next year? Your earlier answer, it made it sound like maybe you don't know that yet. Um, by and large, we do know who's going to be on the staff. So this current seniors plan distribution. So that's kind of their end of the year task is to plan distribution. And then the current um, freshman, sophomore and junior students, those kids um, all do a theme project at the end of the year. And, you know, there are maybe a couple kids each year that don't come back, but they do the project anyways. <laughs> All right. Now, one thing I hit every year is, and again, every school is different. Every yearbook staff is different. Situation is different. Some people have a class, club, whatever it is. There are some, I know there are some teachers probably listening saying, I don't even know who my staff's going to be in June or July. They don't find out until over the summer or goodness, maybe even not until the new school year starts. I mean, if you were in a situation like that, could you do this in the spring or would it have to wait till school begins? I think it's up to the advisor and whether or not um, there are returning staffers that are like going to have leadership roles. Because um, I would I would really encourage folks to identify at least some key students in the spring who they know they're going to have next year. So that way you can have that um, continuity from one year to the next um, you could totally pare a, a theme project down into a, a few weeks and use it to train your staff while you're also coming up with the theme. So for example, um, I, I asked my kids to take a portrait of a student 
um, and do some reporting on that student. And that story should connect to their theme. If you were doing this in the spring, it could be a great summative to sort of test the kids and really evaluate their skills. You could also do the same thing in the fall and um, use it as a tool to introduce those reporting and photography skills. So I think it could work either way. I would encourage folks to get it as early a start as possible though. Makes sense, yes. Now, Jess, I've had plenty of uh, observations over the years of schools or yearbook staffs. They'll come up with a cool theme, usually with a neat cover design, you know, like, like very provocative, eye-catching, and they'll, they'll get that done. And then later on, when I open up the book, the theme just kind of poof, disappears. <laughs> yeah. no, nowhere to be found. So let's talk about a little, some of the sort of the nuts and bolts, if you will. Again, we're talking essentially theme introduction, which is what your 1J class was. Mm -hmm. So we have a theme, we've got a theme title, maybe we have a great cover, colors, elements, whatever's on there. Now what? In other words, how do we work this thing on the inside of the book? Sure. Um, one of my, can I use an example from? Sure, go. Okay. So one of my favorite books my kids have done, um, the theme is, is exit 184, which is a highway exit. <laughs> and here in Castle Rock, it's a, it's a three exit town right off the interstate interstate. And, um, when you hit exit 184, that's where the downtown Castle Rock is and kind of all the fun stuff. And, um, that's the exit you take to go home. That's the exit you take to go to school. Like our school is right off exit 184. Um, so when my kids did this book, they wanted a book that felt like home. Um, and home can be your classroom. It can be a place you're comfortable at it, at school. It can be the physical building. It can be the community. Um, but they wanted a book that felt like home. And it took us forever. But finally, they came up with a theme phrase, Exit 184. And to every kid at Castleview High School, they know exit 184 means your home. That means nothing to everyone else. <laughs> and I think that is, um, I'm going to just brag on my kids. Like that's theme brilliance when it means so much to the kids who go to your school that an outsider is going to go, wait, what, what's the theme of that yearbook? That makes no sense. Um, however, the theme was really about home. So you get into the inside of the book and it's really about, uh, it's stories about community and about relationships and it's stories about the physical and like metaphorical places that make us feel a certain way. Um, they told stories about kids whose home was somewhere else, like from our, our, um, our ex foreign exchange students, right? Um, they told stories about the difficult parts of home. They had lots of maps and icons and a font that looked like earthy and mountainy, kind of like their town does. So they really just thought of all the ways to, to make sure that the visuals and the verbals felt and looked like home to them. See, I love that because every, I mean, come on, every town has something unique about yeah. their town, their area, and so on. No, exit 184, I would think, okay, Pennsylvania Turnpike, I'm, maybe that's what it is, I don't know. Wait a minute, this is Colorado, wrong road. Uh, yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, and they, um, you know, it says exit 184 on the cover, and then you open up the end sheet, and they say, it's exit 184, the place you know. 
And I think that's actually their theme, right? The place that you know was the theme. But um, for, for our students, exit 184 means that. So that's why it worked. That's cool. Now, you mentioned the two key words. In all the years I've been doing this, you know, I get a chance to teach and talk about theme. The two V words, verbal, visual. All right. Those two uh, folks, if you remember one thing from this conversation, well, two things. Exit 184 is really cool. All right. That's a great idea. Don't steal Jess's idea. Come up with your own exit. Okay. So there's that. But verbal and visual. Now, again, from an intro standard, talk about each one of those. I mean, how do you verbally do this? How do you visually do this? How do you handle that? Um, so verbally, that was actually really easy for that book. But I think, um, you know, you have to have a, a, a strong verbal phrase and then take the time to brainstorm spinoffs, both in story ideas and just in related phrases um, that you can kind of go back to over the course of the year. And then I think where it really gets important is the stories that you tell within the book. And, and that's what makes one year unique from another year or one book different from another book um, are the individual stories. So when the kids going back to exit 184, when they understood that this was a theme about home and about belonging and about knowing where you come from, that really guided their reporting throughout the year. And the staff just had a keen eye for those kinds of stories. So a theme should have depth. And the way we give a theme depth is not by making things look pretty. It's by reinforcing the theme concept with the stories we're telling within the book. Um, and then in terms of visuals, you got to think about photography, right? So if your book is about belonging, then we need photos of people together. We need reaction photos of people sharing a moment. Um, we need those scene setting photos that kind of establish a setting for the characters and the story, right? The book. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to fonts and colors and icons and graphics, those things should reinforce your thematic concept. But I actually think it's a really good idea to start with the story and, and understand that that's where we get the depth in a theme. We'll get back to our final segment with terrific advisor Jess Hunziker from Colorado. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to talk more about theme. We'll have some more great ideas and inspiration. And I tell you what, listen to the end where I asked Jess about, hey, if you had a chance to sit down with rookie advisors, what would you tell them? And certainly the last year and a half, I mean, to become a yearbook rookie advisor, I almost think you should just get an automatic pay raise. All right. It's just crazy this last year and a half. We all know that. And so Jess, I think, has some really great advice coming up later on in this final segment. One thing she mentions, actually right off the top, if I recall, is people before product. And so with this particular message, we're just going to remind advisors, you know, hey, this difficulty we're dealing with is continuing. It's worse, obviously, in some places than others. It's continuing in the fall. Goodness sakes, I hope it doesn't continue into the winter. But of course, if you listen to certain experts and so on, that's what they claim is going to happen. Could this entire school year turn out to be a lot like the last school year? Well, maybe. We honestly don't know, but maybe. And so that thought from just people before product. For any advisors out there, maybe you really are struggling right now. 
And the bottom line message for me is simply, you got to take time to take care of yourself. You got to take time to take care of yourself. Now, if you're a caring teacher, of course, it's all about the kids. It's all about the students, and you certainly want to take care of them. But last year, of course, was the year like no other. Everybody was stressed out. Uh, in my particular neighborhood, I had some advisors, probably all of them, going through various kinds of stresses. You know, we got to wear masks and you got to distance. And did I get my shot? And am I sick? And, you know, what about my kids? And I've got to do the hybrid thing and online learning and on and on and on. And it wore down a lot of people. I'll be honest, for me, it wore me down. It wore us all down. Could that happen again? I don't know about you. I don't want to get worn down again. And so the very simple thought here is simply be sure to take time to take care of yourself this school year. And from a yearbook perspective, if you're struggling, I mean like personally type struggling, and maybe it's affecting your work, your students' work, the yearbook work, and so on, please contact your company yearbook representative and let them know that. All of us, doesn't matter what company, all of us are out here to help you in any way we can, at least we should be, so don't be a stranger with your company yearbook representative. Let them help you. If you're going through struggles right now, if it's quarantine or whatever the struggles are, don't kind of put everything on park for maybe weeks. Let your company representative know, hey, I got problems. You know, I, I got this or I've got that. And they will hopefully swing into action in any way they can, maybe directly with your staff or in other ways, to make sure that things keep moving and you don't have to worry about it. You have help. You have a partner, your company yearbook representative. Let them be a part of your team. Don't be a stranger. Let them help you and kind of lessen the load on your shoulders because, boy, all of us right now, yep, once again, We've got plenty of things to worry about. There's help out there. Please make sure to tap that, all right? Hope you take that, uh, that pretty good advice. In the meantime, we still have ideas and inspiration to touch on, so let's get back to our guest advisor, Jess Hunziker. Now, you clearly have a lot of stories in this book, and well, in all your books, all right? And I've had this conversation. It's like, well, how do we figure out what stories to tell? Now, I mean, your school's big. You mentioned you have over 2,000 students now. That's a lot of kids. How do you figure that out? I mean, how, how do you know what stories to put in the book? Um, I'm, I don't mean to sound sarcastic, but we ask. <laughs> oh, all right. No, truly. I have, I, have a, I have a student whose only job, and actually this year it's two students, whose only job is to talk to coaches and team captains and club sponsors and teachers and ask questions about what's happening and what's going on um, so that we can, we can figure out what those stories are for a year. So we have a dedicated coverage editor and, and her job this year especially is, is to figure out what those stories are and put staffers in touch with the right stakeholders and we really just take the time to train the staff to ask the right questions related to, to, to allow us to get that depth within the theme. So we make a lot of lists of different things that are going on. And we have weekly coverage meetings where we brainstorm as a whole staff. Um, and because I have my students in a class, um, they get a grade for coverage. So once every three weeks, they're going out and doing some coverage. And so 
I tell the kids, we kind of live and die by going to events, taking photos and collecting stories. So it's the most important thing we do. So in other words, you have, I guess you would call them designated story finders. That's Mm -hmm. what these kids do. Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of anything like that before. That's, that's not bad. Now, granted, you mentioned your, your staff is over 20 kids, I believe, right? We're at 50 kids this year. So we do have a big staff. So I have the, the manpower for that kind of thing. Okay. You have 50. Yeah. Oh, that's a lot. Okay. Even big staff. <laughs> Even for 2000 kids, 50 kids on your book staff. Whoosh. That's a lot of kids. Yep. Okay. That's fine. Now, all right, verbal visual, you talked about that, stories, you talked about that. Let me go back to the theme type stuff. Is this something that's supposed to be on every single page of the book, or where do you put it? So um, your book, you know, if I were to rip a, 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 a spread out of your book, and mix it in with a bunch of other yearbook spreads from different schools, and then hand a kid the cover and the end sheet, and the title page and say, find the one that matches this. They should be able to find it in a stack of random yearbook pages because of those identifiable features in fonts, colors, graphics, and the stories that are on the page. So it should look and feel like it belongs together. And some of that is through really careful decision-making about fonts and colors and then that really intentional photography and storytelling. Hmm. Now I've heard this, so, exper- I've heard this experiment before, get some books, tear them apart, spread them around yeah. on the floor, and you should be able to put the correct pieces like a puzzle, put the correct pieces back together so that, you know, it's no doubt that this, the, all these pieces fit together because there's a theme there. You can see it. Um, which I've never tried that before, but that's a neat idea. If you've got the books to do it, it's a neat <laughs> idea. Now, Jess, here's a question, because I have seen this happen a few times over the years. Is it possible to overdo a theme? In other words, you just do it way too much. It's like squeezed into every nook and cranny of the book. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. What, what do you think about that? Can you do a theme too much? I don't know if I've seen it done. Like I'm trying to think of a book I've seen where it was just too much and I can't think of one off the top of my head. I suppose that if your theme lacked depth and you were just repeating the same thing over and over and over again, that could be redundant and kind of obnoxious. Um, But a theme needs to be a thematic concept, which should have lots of spinoffs, both visually and verbally. So I think as long as we think about theme in terms of the concept, we're probably in the safe zone. Yeah, I think you kind of hit it. And I've seen this a time or two, and you sort of touched on it. It's the same verbal and visual elements, the same exact thing used over and over and over and over again, to the point where, okay, when I turn the page, I know what's going to happen, you know, that sort of thing. Like the same words are used in the headlines all the time, or the same color scheme is exactly the same all the time. I think that's what I was kind of getting at with the idea. Can you overdo it? You've never seen anything like that. I suppose it's possible, but I I can't think of a time where I've seen it, like where I was like, oh no, that's horrible. (laughs) Whoa, stop, time out. All right. All right. Now we're doing this in September. This is the, if you will, the beginning of the school year. 
you got your staff, they work, they got a theme, they're going to start working it. Let's talk about marching through the school year. Do things change at all? Do you do adjustments? I mean, is there a need to pivot this way or that way when it comes to how you work your theme? Or do you guys pretty much set it up at the beginning and just write it? Um, you know, it kind of depends on the year, I think. Um, one of the ways I like to really encourage my students to reinforce the theme is by strong feature pages or wow pages or showstoppers, whatever you decide to call them. Um, and those are, those are those pages that break up the monotony of like a chronological or sectional yearbook. And they're not, um, division pages. They're not, they're not part of the theme package, but they're that opportunity to really dig in deep to, um, a certain concept. And so that's one of the ways where my staff will really kind of let the theme shine through um, are through those in-depth pages where they can really talk about a topic. Um, and those I think are where we kind of flex the most throughout the year um, because if something really important happens and we're able to reinforce our theme through that important thing, we wanna give it the time and the space it needs in the book um, for that coverage. So. We'll move things around in the ladder sometimes for thematic reasons and um, come up with new ideas to keep the stories fresh throughout the whole book. Um, but once we kind of lock in a theme phrase and those visuals and verbals, we're really working within those parameters for the rest of the year. We, we almost never have like a strong pivot after we've made some of those key decisions. All right, now a tangent question of sorts. All right, sure. you guys do an awesome book, but of course the book doesn't come out until the end of the year, end of the yeah. school year, all right? What do you do like over those months of the school year? Do you do anything with your theme in other ways? And I'm thinking especially social media or some other ways. Does your staff do anything in that regard to tell stories, show photos, show off your theme before the book even comes out? Um, sometimes I have staffs that are better at it than, um, others, uh, two years ago, their theme was let's get a little bit rowdy, which is the, um, name of our mascot. And then that, that like phrase, let's get a little bit rowdy is something, um, our cheerleaders have a cheer about. So again, really unique phrase that belongs exclusively to our school with our, our mascot and that cheer and so all year long on our social media, they were like, tell us your most rowdy blank or the most excited you were about blank, or they'd have lots of pictures of our school mascot rowdy. And so it was like one of those subtle things where you didn't know unless you knew, um, but they were, they were hinting at the theme all year long through what they were putting on social media. And then when the book finally came out, um, it was like, oh, you told us this, we knew. So sometimes we're better at it than other years, but we always try and think of a way to make it work. <laughs> I think we have advisors right now saying, wait a minute, we have a mascot. Mascot has a yeah. name. Hey, let's do something with the mascot name. All right, you may have just spurred some great ideas there. I don't know. <laughs> How often does your staff use social media? And, and, and by the way, which social media do you even use? Um, so this is one of those ways is where maybe I'm a little unique um, in that we just have one student media account. It's at CV student media on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Um, our website is 
www.cvstudentmedia.com. So on all of the platforms, we are just at CV Student Media. And I didn't make a lot of dis good decisions 10 years ago, but that was one of them, just one comprehensive site or, or URL for everything. So that makes sense. All right. I get it. Um, come on. You haven't tried TikTok yet? Yeah, I think they have a TikTok too. I try and stay off. <laughs> really? Okay. Very interesting. All right. Now, Jess, I tell you what, to wrap it up, uh, a favorite question I always ask at the end. You're obviously a terrific veteran advisor. Mm. I'm going to assume we have some rookie advisors listening. God forbid if they were rookies last year in the year of, okay, of that. And I know this year there are a lot more rookie advisors because some veterans and other folks after last year threw in the towel, which, okay, I, I get it. I understand. But for those rookie advisors listening, what's some advice if you had a chance to sit down with rookie advisors and give them some advice that they could really use, what would you tell them? Um, it's people before product. So, you know, I put on my teacher hat and it's, you know, the kids in my classroom are, are more important. The, the people are more important than the product. Um, I think also is I never do anything for the kids that I know they can do themselves. So when it comes to taking photos and designing pages and editing copy and writing copy and pulling things together, right? Like I can do those things, but I, as the advisor, am never going to do something that I know a student can do for themselves. Um, and then I think the other thing is you just have to be organized and figure out a way to manage the project in, in a way that makes sense for you. So for us, um, we use Google Drive and we have one shared Google Drive folder that holds everything. And then we really use that for our staff manual and to project manage the whole thing. Um, and I would think you really, as an advisor, you just need to find a system that works for you and kind of stick to that and make sure it's collaborative and that students can really own it. Um, because at the, to the same token, right, I'll never do something for kids that they can do themselves. And on the flip side, kids will let you do everything if, if you let them, right? So put it back on the kids, make them work. They can handle it. Folks, that's great advice. Everything just said, just, just said, that's perfect <laughs> advice. If you end up doing the work, trust me, you will always be doing the work. That's mm -hmm. not the way this game is supposed to be played. Just isn't. So Jess, I tell you what, I absolutely want to meet you sometime and yeah. no, and not on a zoom screen. All right. I mean, for like, for real, I don't know. Uh, you got any vibes? When do you think we're going to get back to normal? What well, I fully intend to be in Philadelphia for the national, um, high school journalism conference. So hopefully, um, we're together in Philly in November. That's kind of my big hope. Um, my kids would be devastated if we didn't go to Disneyland in April. So if Philly doesn't work out, we'll go to Disneyland. Um, but I'm thinking by the end of this year, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm hopeful. <laughs> One more year. One more. <laughs> One more year. All right. I am scheduled to be in Philadelphia. I'm doing a breakout session on something. Awesome. So if that happens, which frankly, as we're recording this in September, it's kind of hanging right yeah. now. Um, I know I... Uh, now you're not, I guess you're not an English teacher, but there's a group called the NCTE National, yeah, okay. National Council of Teachers of English. It's all about English teachers. Mm 
they were supposed to have some conference in mid-November. They've already they've already gone virtual. I'm like, oh no. So for JEA in Philadelphia in mid-November, our fingers are all firmly crossed. We're gonna have to see what happens here. But Jess, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, thank you. Take good care of our friend Pete, because he is an, I will. He's an awesome Justin's representative. He is uh, he puts me to shame. I can't I can't touch that guy. He's awesome. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he can never retire. I told him that I'd quit if he retired. So we're in it for the long haul. <laughs> well then he's stuck for a while. Yeah. That's fun. Jess, again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. One more time, a thanks again to our friend, advisor Jess Hunsicker from Colorado. And I tell you what, if you're a Jostens advisor, hopefully you're using those Jostens J classes on your Yearbook Avenue website. As Jess mentioned, she was the host of four of those, including our main thing for this one, theme introduction. Absolutely use those tutorial videos. They are fabulous. Every single one, you will get great ideas, advice, and inspiration from all of them that you can use with your yearbook staff this year. In the meantime, let's give a quick thank you. Something that I slapped myself. I should have done this ages ago. We're in the fourth season right now of the Yearbooking Report. You may know we have a, an accompanying video that's on YouTube called the Yearbooking Report, along with our podcast. And in the past, shame on me, we've never given good credit to our music providers for both our video series and for this podcast series. Shame on me because, yeah, it's free music, thankfully, but it's also terrific. And we really appreciate the efforts of these groups, the 126ers and Vibe Mountain. If you ever come across them on the internet, uh, they do terrific music work, and we really appreciate the musical accompaniment that they have given me and us here on the Yearbooking Report. So a big thank you again to the 126ers and Vibe Mountain. Really, really good background music. Awesome stuff. In the meantime, friends, let's keep going into fall. Let's keep doing good work. Let's keep taking great photos. Remember, kids should be doing the work. Advisors shouldn't fall on your shoulders. This is a group effort. Hope you got some good stuff in this episode. And folks, thanks again for listening to the Yearbooking Report podcast. Mm-hmm.